Hello everyone and welcome to the Clearly Podcast episode 12, Power BI Pre-Aggregation. Recorded on Thursday the 17th of December 2020 with Shailen Tudor-Sama, Tom Goff and myself Andy Clark. In this episode we discuss Power BI Pre-Aggregation, starting with an explanation of how we differentiate pre-aggregation from plain old aggregations. Moving on to when you should consider using it and how to go about pre-aggregating your data. We also have some practical advice on when to avoid pre-aggregation and some of the pitfalls if you choose this technique. Hey guys, how are we doing? Yeah, very good. Yeah, good, thank you. Good. So I feel that on almost every podcast we talk about pre-aggregation somewhere and <laughs> we've never really talked about pre-aggregation as a topic in itself so um that's the purpose of this one and tom i'm going to start off with you and really to pre-aggregate or not to pre-aggregate that's the question yeah and i think we'll i'll, I'll probably resolve a, a a little bit of a definition thing as well before we, are you just uh, going to completely ignore my 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 shakespearean i was know, laughing yeah, i was exactly. laughing out loud but you could see me laughing <laughs> yeah. you couldn't hear me yeah. <laughs> um yeah um but i think we, before <laughs> this is just getting silly now and uh, no, before we before we get uh, to, to sort of answer uh, to pre-aggregate or not to pre-aggregate um we probably ought to just be a little bit clear about what we what we are talking about here um and this is something that i've always tended to refer to as pre-aggregation microsoft in their documentation simply refer to it as aggregation now what do they know well exactly those microsoft people <laughs> yeah um and uh Shayden's like, laughing again like um, but, <laughs> yeah well all right they know a lot microsoft yeah, yeah, you know yeah. a lot yeah. let's, let's acknowledge that now the reason I, t- I tend to to make this um um subtle distinction in, in naming here is that every time you use an aggregate function you are performing some sort of aggregation on your data so if you're summing your data up in a direct query or in an import model, in both cases, you are aggregating data. What we're talking about here in the aggregations, as Microsoft called them in the documentation, or as I might refer to them as pre-aggregations, we're talking about aggregating data as it is loaded into a data model, which means that you can try to get the it's, it's about really trying to get the best of both worlds with direct query and import so it's useful when you are designing a data model that it has got some really big data sets involved in it which you may not want to import but that those data sets mostly you might be looking at at a total of with totals at maybe a customer and a month level and most of the time you only want to look at the uh, information summed up by customer by month maybe by product group or something like that but you still need to be able to drill into the more detailed level of that data 
Oh, so sorry, Shaylen. I was looking at you. To, I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna go straight in there. You had that in, that, that intent look that you were gonna make a point. I was, yeah, because um, with because then, but a lot of people will 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 question and say it's in memory. So being in memory, it's fairly fast, well, rapid, really. But um, but it depends on if you're using direct query then it has to retrieve it. So there are, you know, if you're using direct query um, and versus, let's say, import, then with the direct query, with, with direct query, it still has to load it. It still has to, um, even if you have aggregation, it still has to aggregate it. Um, and it's it's doing that. Um, so, as you know, what, what you're saying, Tom, is that pre-aggregation um, is, to, is to do that at the, at the query level rather than wait for it and, and do it at that visual layer as well. Uh, some of them, the, the ones that you're going to use more often. Yeah, so you're essentially importing your regular stuff and not importing your less regular stuff. So you get, and it is about that best of both worlds. It's, mm. it's about having your cake and eating it. Yeah, yeah. And it's um, it's like a, um, because then people say, well, how do I, what does that look like? So imagine a dashboard that has a lot of um, numbers, you know, um, cards on top with with this is the the total. We've got a, a sum of this, sales amount of this, or you know, lots of those um, high level ones. But then you had detailed transactions as well. So those high level, they could be pre aggregated, um, and they could be pre aggregated with multiple filters as well, because you know you're going to filter by department or by cost center. Or by um, you know inventory item um, code or something, so you can have those pre-aggregations at, at that level, um, rather than it trying to um, aggregate when you filter. So we're very much talking about a deployment technique that is used to help system responsiveness for users. It's system responsiveness and helping manage your resources as well. Um, so that you're not really hammering uh, your source server all the time with queries. You could the most common stuff then can be handled at the Power BI end, where the less common stuff is being pushed back to the uh, direct query server. Yeah, yeah. Uh, given most of the projects that we're involved in, you know, with with larger customers, tend to involve a lot of transactions. Is this a technique that is generally used on most implementations. Yeah, I would say a lot of implementations, mm. um, um, and we, we've we've certainly seen. I mean, we, you know, we're, we're talking Power BI. Um, other tools um, do something similar. So you know, we're and we're, we're not we're not talking about cubes or um, and let's say analysis services, tabular models or anything where you can um, create those pre aggregations. We're talking. It's, it's importing that data or, or direct to there. But even with, with Tableau, they will use certain techniques to do it with, with some of that Tableau or, or with Click. So we would have a um, the table and you duplicate that table. And one is a pre-aggregated one where you perform all those calculations. Um, so you can do that high level, very quick, you know, um, and so it gives you the, the you know, uh, information quite quickly. 
but then you have detail level where you can drill down into the actual information as well. And that's important, isn't it? And you know, Tom, to use your phrase about you know having cake and eating it too. Um, how do you decide what you're going to pre-aggregate? That really comes down to what the most common use cases are in the particular model that you're working with. One of the risks with all of this is that you try to create every pre-aggregated scenario that you can imagine. Now, that very quickly turns into a, an unwieldy mess to manage because all of this aggregation work you have to manage in the data model as well and tell Power BI that this is a this a particular table is an aggregation of another table and where to get the detail level from. So that that um, you, you need to focus on what the common use cases are. And if you think about um, even a simple fact table with three possible dimensions on it, that's going to generate you a lot of possible combinations. So if you've got a sales table with customer, product, and date, you could create an aggregation by date, an aggregation by customer, an aggregation by product, and then you could do product and customer, product and date, customer yeah. and date. And you can add all these combinations. You very quickly got six or seven different aggregated tables that don't necessarily all get used anyway because Power BI decides which of the aggregations to use anyway. So the, there's different approaches to that as well to, to bear in mind with all of that. Yeah, and and what 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 are the pitfalls then? I mean, often that's obviously you know doing it too much. I mean, have have you ever gone into an implementation? You've used pre aggregate pre aggregation, sorry, to manage the data, but then had to unpick it because people want detail. It would be rare to go and completely unpick it. Um, the Issue you can get though is that if your aggregation is is too granular, then you lose a lot of the advantage of having it. Yeah, um, because you still end up with a massive data model to manage as well. But I guess even if it's, for example, sales figures, you know, per day, as opposed to having individual transactions, that can make a huge difference, can't it? it can. Even at that level. Yeah. So what's your advice to somebody when thinking about their data models and looking at pre-aggregation as a technique to go and help speed up the data, uh, make sure that when they're hitting any back-end service, they're not hitting them that hard? Um, how does somebody go about this, Shailen? Well, uh, well, a lot of people will just you know, import it in or, or just create a data connection, first of all, and look at all of the data and rely on the, um, which is not a bad thing, but rely on the um, the, the memory um, and, and doing everything there. Now, there are tools, what, what we've seen before is that, you know, there are tools that you can use. There are the performance tools. So just check the performance. 
And it may look great when you create something on desktop. And you look at it on desktop and go, yeah, that's fine. That loads. Oh, yeah, okay. It took a, it took a few seconds. But when you have multiple users and you start publishing these reports and dashboards, that's when you'll notice if there are any um, kind of performance issues and performance problems. So look at how things are loaded. Look at the actual data as well. And the ones where where um, a, a good test is, you know, create some create some cards or, or, or tables. Look at which ones are taking time and run some performance analysis against them. And then it'll give you an indication of if you need to pre-aggregate um, that within the you know within the query um, model model layer. Um, so it may not be as obvious as okay, just give me the total sales amount. You know, it may be things like, well, we've closed that year, and 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 we know you know what was it year to date, or last year's, or month on month. Um, and then you can do some more, you know, um, aggregations on a, more of the advanced, let's say, calculations there. That's a really interesting point. So aggregate, pre-aggregate that historical data um, because the books have closed anyway, the year is closed anyway, you're not going to go back and amend transactions. Um, so use pre-aggregation as a method for reducing your historical data so you can focus on current year and to to be honest i think the 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 biggest use case for it uh, and actually this goes back and references our previous uh, one of our previous episodes of dealing with huge data sets which is where the data set is too big to pull the whole thing into uh the power bi model and he's going to start hitting some of your data limits now that needs to be pretty big before it starts hitting your data limits but big organization, general ledger transactions, that's going to hit your data limit pretty quickly. So with that, you pretty much have to leave it on the source server and direct query it. But that takes a a performance hit. So, well, why not sum it up by month? Because that's actually the query that the accountants are mostly looking at is what happened by month end each month. And you'll look at those month-on-month things. Is only when one of those looks particularly odd that you need to drill down into that detail level of data, um, and that's when that aggregation really comes into its own. But the advice from the dealing with huge data sets episode still applies. If you don't need to do it, don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, only absolutely. carry what you need to survive. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And when you, and that's a good, it's an interesting point. Sorry, and it's an interesting point that you raised there, Tom. Um, but, you know, so month, monthly figures or month on month. Um, and typically people look at year and quarter and month. And we always offer them because, you know, we're the BI experts. We Everybody who, who creates reports and dashboards offers them that, that daily and even further down, and they offer them all of that functionality. Say, oh, but you can do well, the fifth of the month up until you know the twenty seventh of the month because you. But it's very rare that they're going to use that functionality. Yeah, and it's and it is about working with them to see what they want to use. And don't get me wrong, they can still do it. You know, you, you can you can still do that, but it's having um, the pre aggregated um, information available as well. 
Just for, I guess, for the majority of the queries that people run, make sure yeah. they're pre-aggregated. And if 1% of the queries needs to go, as you say, from the 5th of the month, to the 27th of the month, great, the data's there. You've got it. Yeah. yeah. But I think as well, just be, be careful not to try to assume that you need pre-aggregation because if your data set is something that will comfortably fit in memory and inside a, an imported model in Power BI, chances are you don't need to pre-aggregate anything. And it, all you're going to do long-term is create yourself a maintenance nightmare instead of actually, you know, the, the, the benefit of that increased speed will probably be more than offset by the uh, the maintenance issue down the line. Yeah, yeah. If, you, if you imported it and the memory can handle it, absolutely. You know, it's very yeah, rare you would need those pre-aggregations. It's only really useful if you've got to have some direct query element Great. in this. Yeah. So that leads me on to my next question, which is, and you just answered, I think, for one scenario, which is when to steer clear of pre-aggregation. So when everything fits into a data set, there's a yeah. good example. Are there any yeah. other instances where you would look at it and say, actually, you're better off not aggregating that data? Well, if they're analyzing lots of different scenarios and and it's not, you know, that query, it, you know, if, it, if it's not used all the time, it's not a frequent query, why would you pre-aggregate it? Yeah. yeah. Um, because it's, it's rarely used. When you have multiple scenarios when you have scenarios and they always going to use that scenario yes then you do it and be one to the first one if, if it fits in memory fine. yeah and i mean if, it, yeah. if it's a if you've built a data model that you, you've published and it's being used to create a lot of one-off ad hoc reports that hmm. are sort of run once somebody's analyzed the scenario then they make a decision and they throw the report in the bin because that is a that's a perfectly valid uh, approach with certain scenarios in Power BI is that you might have a, a data model that you are just using for exploratory purposes all the time. It's connected to a really big data set. You can't import it, but you're also going and doing totally different explorations of that data each time you go into it. Then trying to pre-aggregate it isn't going to help you because the next time you go in, you've got a different scenario anyway. Yeah, yeah. Okay, guys. So um, just to go and round this up, um, top tips for pre-aggregation. So Shailen. Um, first, well, first one, we, we've mentioned this. It's um, if you can import, import. You don't need to pre-aggregate. Yeah. Um, and if you, if you need to, then look at those common use cases, year to date, last year's um, figures, and the, the ones that will be, yeah, that the, and or filtering by something. So the ones that are, are clearly visible on, on pages. Yeah, yeah. Tom? Don't try and build every combination of uh, aggregation because you will end up with too many different ways of power. Power BI trying to work with that data and it, it will just start to fall over at some point. Yeah. I think for me, um, it's something we've not touched upon, but we have done in other episodes 
which is after you've run your pre-aggregations, check your figures, make sure they match up with known figures to compare. So whether it's, you know, sales figure for whatever product for a given month, make sure that your data is absolutely correct, um, which you should do at all times anyway. Well, I, th- I think build- <clears throat> building on that as well, Andy, uh, and I've, this is something I've mentioned in another episode previously as well, is don't forget your non-functional tests. So yeah. does it give you the speed increase you were looking for? Because if it, if you've got something that is quite slow running, but it, this only gives you maybe a 5 or 10% improvement on that, is it going to be worth the long-term maintenance uh, trouble that you've got with it? Yeah, yeah. And sorry, I, know, I realize we're rounding up, but I've got another question there. Um, <laughs> sorry, again, another Spanish Inquisition gag. Um, long-term maintenance, you talked about that with pre-aggregation, Tom. What, what are the longer-term maintenance tasks that somebody needs to think about once they've done it? It's broadly the same as the long-term maintenance of any Power BI model. So it's, it's making sure that that Power BI model remains fit for purpose as the business involves. Uh, but it, it's that bit where it's a layer of complication. So yeah. instead of it being one table with all your sales transactions in, it might be two, maybe three, four tables with your sales transactions so if you need to change some of the logic behind that, it's not there's no longer one place where you're changing that logic. It's potentially two or three places you're changing that logic. Yeah, so you've just gone and added another layer of complexity, which yeah. may have an extremely good reason for doing that, but just realize that you do have to manage that on an ongoing basis. Yeah, and as as the business changes, you've got to be changing that, that uh, complexity. So it's... It's not a case of that complexity is rarely something that should put you off doing it, but it's that question of uh, you should only be trying to make something as complicated as you need it to be to do the job and no more complicated. Yeah, no, that's a really, really good point. I think that everybody should remember when approaching all aspects of Power BI. All right, guys, well, look, that rounds off today's episode. Um, I'd like to thank both of you and say goodbye to everybody listening thank you very much it's goodbye from him and it's goodbye from him <laughs> hey everyone we hope that was useful To get in touch, please come on over to clearlycloudy.co.uk for the UK and Europe and clearlysolutions.net for North America. If you have any questions about this podcast or any ideas for future content, please send an email to podcast at clearlysolutions.net. We'll be back next Monday, the 25th of January, 2021 with Project Management of Power BI Projects. In the meantime, stay safe and have a great week.